Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to God Squad Church. I hope you guys are having an incredible Saturday or maybe whatever day of the week it is when you're watching this on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or all of the amazing ways you guys have to be part of our church. Hey, sincerely want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Susie, and I have the immense honor to be the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. And hey, before we jump into our time together today, I want to give you guys a little teaser and a plug for next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new series entitled Sir Memes, okay? You've heard of Sir Mims, but you, have, you, heard, have, you haven't heard of Sir Memes. We're taking some of the most popular memes over the next few weeks and pulling out spiritual truths. It's going to be hilarious, but it is going to be so spiritually uplifting and encouraging. And I hope that you'll join us. I hope you'll invite us because most of your friends have probably never heard a sermon that started off with a meme. So tell your friends, invite them. It's going to be an absolutely incredible time. But today, obviously things look a little bit different. Normally we don't sit in a chair, but if you're listening on Spotify, you probably can't see anything anyway. Today we're doing something that we call Meet the team. And this is something that we love to do when we invite new members to be a part of our staff. It's not something that we'll be able to do forever. It, it makes me sad, Pastor Boz, as we're, our team grows and grows and grows. Eventually, when we have 100 staff members, we probably won't be able to do this forever. But I love it when the times that we still can do it. And just recently, we've added a new addition to our staff. His name is Pastor TJ, and we've invited him to be a part of our lead team. If you guys don't know here at God Squad Church, we don't actually have one lead pastor. We have a team of five individuals that make up what's called our lead team, and together they carry equal authority, and together they create the culture of who God Squad Church is, and together they shape the vision of where God Squad Church is going. And so adding another member to to our lead team is a big deal. Anytime we add someone to our staff, it's a big deal, but we are so, so grateful that God has, in our opinion, completed what we've been praying, the newest addition to our lead team to help shape culture. He is our newest leadership development pastor. Will you put your hands together now, put the hype in the chat as we bring him on the good old screen, my man, Pastor TJ. How you doing, brother? You feeling good today? Amazing, oh, Oh, yeah. Beautiful face. How could I not be happy? <laughs> Pastor TJ, this has been, in many ways, a long time coming. And you guys are going to get to hear how Pastor TJ has actually been a pivotal person since the very, very beginning of our church. He was on a team of people that really God surrounded me with when we founded the church back in 2016. And so Pastor TJ, although you maybe have never heard his name, maybe probably have never seen his face, he is no stranger to our church. And you're going to get to hear a little bit more about that. But some of the reasons why we love to do these Meet the Teams is because the reality is like, we could just make a Facebook post. We could just make a YouTube video and give you a chance to get to know Pastor TJ and put a two-minute introduction. But one of the reasons I love to do these during our services because I find them incredibly valuable. And the reason that is is I believe that follower of Jesus, they impact other people by the way they live their lives. And I want to read a scripture to you, Matthew 5, 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think there's a stigma when it comes to Christians that they're like, don't let anyone see anything that I ever do. Like, no, I'm just going to do everything good in private because I want to be humble. And those things are good. But when you understand this scripture, it says, let them see your good deeds. Let them see it. But you have to understand the purpose of why the scripture says, let them see it. Why? So that they might glorify your Father in heaven. I do not want you to go around showing off how awesome you are. 
But what I do want followers of Jesus to do is to have certain moments where you allow the world to see the good that you're doing through God. Why? Not so that they'll think you're awesome, but so that they'll know Jesus is awesome. Every single person that we bring in the staff are people that we truly believe that God has impacted their lives. And what we want to do is we want to get what God has placed in them into you. And I want to do these meet the teams and tell you with Pastor TJ is because I believe that his life is worth following. I believe that in some ways, if you'll emulate the life of Pastor TJ, you will emulate the life of Jesus. Paul says in the New Testament, follow me as I follow Jesus. Our leaders, our staff, our pastors, they are not perfect. We are humans and we are fickle. But I believe that our staff is doing their best to live a life that's worth following. And today I want to give you the chance to get to know Pastor TJ, hear a little bit about his story, his background. Because I believe that if we will become more like our leaders, if we'll become more like our pastors, in some ways you are becoming more like Jesus. So Pastor TJ, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for being who you are. You're someone that I respect so highly. You're someone that I look up to. And you're someone that I believe all of us can learn from. And I'm super grateful to have you on our staff. And we appreciate you, bro. We're going to go ahead. I appreciate ahead. that a We're, lot. I really Of course, do. man. We Thanks, love your brother. face, bro. You love your face, bro. And if you guys don't know, this is daylight, by the way. Some of you guys remember him from Rust, by the way. <laughs> this is daylight, Pastor TJ. We're going to go and dive into a few questions. We're going to start off with some simple ones. Then we'll give a, little, give a little background about you. But Pastor TJ, tell us real quick a little bit about yourself, where you're from, a little bit about your family, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. First, like, I just want to say I'm humbled to be here. I, I say that almost every time you'll hear me speak, and it truly am. I'm constantly in like all of what God does in my life and what he's done through me, you know, the things that he's taken me through to be able to be the person I am. And uh, this is no small thing to me. And it means a lot to be here. And I'm serving with some of the greatest leaders on the face of the planet. And that's not just me saying that it's the truth you guys have uh, as a church, whether you're sitting in the Midlothian campus right now, or you're in the chat or you're on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, that the leadership that you have surrounding you and the people that you've decided to serve, to put yourself under um, are some of the greatest champions, I think, of our generation. And uh, I am super humbled by that. And so you asked me how uh, a little bit about myself. I, I did, about indeed. Me. Your family, where you're from. Give us a background, homie. Oh, a little bit about me? Okay. <laughs> hey, I can do that. <laughs> Just messing. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm a kid from the ghetto. Like, funny enough, um, I'm a kid that grew up with pretty much nothing. Uh, didn't have, a, you know, two nickels to rub together when I was growing up. And uh, God's just done some tremendous things in my life to be able to allow me to still be, you know, um, someone that could chase after him, even though through the, the heartache and the heartbreak and the, the suffering of life. And uh, so I guess I, I, I love Jesus. Um, I absolutely am enamored uh, with my wife. I have two beautiful children. Um, one name is Oakland. She's three years old. Uh, she is my brave or my, uh, my redheaded awesomeness. Uh, we have no idea where she came from. I ask my wife that all the time. What happened here? Uh, <laughs> but she is the uh, epitome of stubborn. Absolutely stubborn to the core. She does not care who you are or what you, you know. Um, she, she is a bulldog. And so we're still working on her. And then I have an eight-year-old who is just as much stubborn. And, uh, but she is smart and beautiful and talented. And uh, she loves to help people. 
And it makes me better watching her. And so my wife actually hasn't been here this week. And so my eight-year-old stepped up and uh, helped out with a ton of stuff. And things like that just make me humble to be able to, you know, be able to do life with my kids. But they're stubborn because of me, not my wife, of course. And then I have an amazing wife. Her name is Jackie. Um, right now we, we serve in the Utica area and she serves a pregnancy center called CareNet. And um, if you ever get the, the opportunity to have a conversation with her, um, she's going to blow your mind. She's way smarter than I ever deserved to be around. She's way more beautiful than I ever deserved to have. And uh, I am absolutely, when I say enamored by her, I am enamored by her. We spent a week apart and I thought I was going to die. I was like, what, what, what do you mean? You, you're going to leave me? Like, I, I like, oh, it was rough, but yeah. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about my family. Right now we live in upstate New York um, and it's freezing here still. Don't ever go to New York. Don't ever go to Pastor New York. Pastor TJ is unfortunately still in prison to the Northeast where the rest of us were wise enough to leave. Praise God. Virginia is the place where it's at, man. I'm only kidding, TJ. Some of us are called to suffer, you know what I mean? Some of us are called to suffer. That's the truth, man. Suffering for Jesus, bro. Oh. Pastor TJ, tell us a little bit about your background as a gamer, man. What have been some of your favorite games growing up, and what games are you actually currently playing, man? Absolutely. So I've been gaming since I can remember. I remember sitting in a shelter. This is no exaggeration, where the bed was the size of the room. So I could sit on the, the edge of the bed, though, and the TV was on the dresser that you couldn't pull the drawers out of. And I remember playing Double Dragon and playing that, uh, that frog game, Battletoads or something like that. And like those are my earliest memories. Like, like the first memories I have is playing games. And I remember, you know, even when, I, when that memory comes back to me, I was living in a pretty cruddy situation. But, you know, games had always been there for me. And it was like... It was crazy to think about that as I, as I step uh, into leadership here and thinking back on my life and how video games have helped me in so many ways, whether it's connecting to people or, you know, it was dealing with some of the stress I had going on in life. And so, yeah, so that was my earliest memory. But, you know, then I, I grew up and I, and I kept gaming. I actually had a PlayStation for the longest time. And then I, uh, I stumbled upon a game. And that game is the game above all games. <laughs> and that was Halo. And uh, I played God. Halo, <laughs> Halo One. Um, I literally remember the release date for Halo Two. Uh, I remember it was like a break or summertime, and one of my friends had an Xbox and he bought Halo Two, and we literally camped out in his room for two weeks straight, just grinding. And online gaming was new, and it was different for you know console, and so we were just we were grinding it out. And um, yeah, it's one of my fondest memories. And then I moved on to PC games. Um, like World of Warcraft, uh, I was a I was huge into League of Legends. That's what I'm currently playing a lot with a couple friends. Um, I play Valorant here and there when uh, you know people like Higgs or Maddie or Beth feel like carrying me. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what I play now. I like FPS shooters. I like tactics. But as I'm getting older, man, I'm getting slower. So it's it's hard to play games like that. You know, we're only slowing down, Pastor Susie. We're only we're slowing all, down. We're just going downhill, dude. <laughs> Uh, I'm losing my hair, losing my reaction time. Y'all pray for me, all right, Chad? It's getting, it's getting <laughs> rough out here, people. Oh, I'm man. not losing my hair yet, but it might get there soon. You, you got enough hair to make up for the both of us. Facts, dude. <laughs> That's Facts, true. man. And if you didn't know, Pastor TJ really, really likes Rust. He, he really does. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, how can I forget <laughs> Rust? Rust is such a good game, man. Such that was a good, a good experience, game. man. It was, dude. So to take it more to a spiritual note, Pastor TJ, how did you become a follower of Jesus, man? What, what did that process look like for you? How long have you been following Jesus? Yeah. 
Um, before we get into that too, like I know this isn't video game related, but also shout out to anybody that plays TCGs. I grew up playing competitive magic. Ooh. Um, and so tournament, tournament level magic, absolutely love magic. But also on that side too is like shout out to all the tabletop gamers. Facts. I used to play Warhammer 40k, Warhammer Fantasy, and I absolutely am in love. And the theme of my game room eventually will be D and D. If we got any love for D and D, can we get some hype in the chat? <laughs> I love D and D, and just the amount that that it that it takes my imagination to places. And I'm just so excited to be able to game with some of you guys and kind of dive deeper into that. But yeah, so I didn't want to leave that out. Not that it's more important than Jesus, but I did want you to know about that. <laughs> um, so how did I become and how long have I been a follower of Jesus? So my relationship with Jesus is kind of an interesting one. Um, I used to be a what I call a Keister Catholic. And that meant I went to Christmas and Easter services. Um, and I would bring my Game Boy and I would play Pokemon through them. I had no idea what was going on. Once in a while, I would stop because it was so interesting to watch like some of the things that they would do, but I didn't know what was going on. Um, and then my cousin and my aunt invited us to come to a church uh, that was an Assemblies of God church. And I sat in the back with my mom. And I remember watching this man, his name was Tony. Uh, he had his arms just lift high. And he was just jumping with joy. And uh, they were just singing songs of like about the love of God and, you know, freedom and things like that. And I, I couldn't totally grasp because I'd never seen a man act that way. First of all, um, it was like, <laughs> it was my, my, accl my acclamation to white church, I guess. <laughs> Cause when I grew up, you know what I mean? You were hard. You didn't show emotions. You didn't do things like that. And yeah. so uh, seeing him uh, do that though, made me think of like, man, what's he have? Like, what is that? And I remember my mom stopped coming to church and I just kept going on Sunday mornings. I would walk to church. Uh, I would do whatever I, I could to get there because I was so enamored by the presence that was in the room that I couldn't understand. I couldn't lay my finger on eventually started going to youth ministry, had, had a great youth pastor. Um, I got saved because he was like, you know, you're either going to go to hell one day. Or I'm, I'm not going to hell. And I just ran to the stage. Right? I, mean, I was like, I'm, I'm not going there. You just described it. Like, why would anybody want that? Yeah. And uh, I don't say that's where my, my relationship with Jesus began, but that's where I, I was scared into faith. Oh and uh, I believe, you know, years later came this understanding of, oh, like this isn't, this isn't how this works. It's not this tyrannical God that wants to throw you either into heaven or hell. Um, but it's this relationship you can have with a savior who yeah. absolutely loves you to the depth of your being, no matter your past, your history. And uh, at that point, I think I, I truly gave my life to God. So, yeah, man, I was 13 when I, when I, when I, when I did the, the hell thing where I ran. So it's so like, 40, probably, so, it's probably 15 or 16. So like 40 years ago. Somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not too long ago. Not too long ago. <laughs> yesterday. I just gave my heart to Jesus yesterday, guys. <laughs> oh man. I love it. I love it. I love it. And Pastor TJ, just because yeah. some people might not know kind of the origin story, but how did you first hear about God Squad Church and get plugged in? Yeah, so I actually went to college with Pastor Susie, um, and we didn't really know each other. I knew we gamed, and like my friend JC and, and Matt's best friend JC uh, were mutual friends. So I'd see them game every once in a while, and like I was trying to get in, and um, you know, so me and JC would game every once in a while. And I think we gamed a couple times in college, Susie, if I'm correct, or maybe you were in college and I was out at that point. Um, played some League, dude. Way playing League, League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're playing League of Legends, and – um, 
Matt messaged me at some point in time. And I think my first stream I ever did, I was just looking at it last night, actually, with a couple of people. We were going through Facebook photo albums. And I think it was in 2013 wow. was the first time I streamed. And I had this like desire in my heart to be like, yo, I can connect with people in a different way and be able to show them the love of God. But it wasn't like serious. It was like, you know, I'll just make friends. And it was, you know, it was what it was. And Susie messaged me. And he was like, hey, man, I'm looking into starting like some kind of gamer ministry. And at that point, you were thinking of local. You were thinking of like Land Center and buying TVs and like what was the best way to do it? And uh, I remember having a conversation with you. We were talking it through. And eventually you got to the place where you were like, you know, there's platform Twitch. And I I got hyped because I I, I knew about Twitch. I love Twitch. And, you know, you're like, I'm going to start streaming there and reaching people. And God Squad Church at that point wasn't wasn't, I don't think, a, a thought. No, it wasn't even an idea. And then, it was just a stream thing, yeah. And then, you know, you asked, um, I remember you either messaging me or me messaging you. I can't remember at that point. Uh, and I was like, where you were building a team of people to, to start a gamer church. And um, I remember launching the first service at God Squad Church, which was very different than today. It was uh, just to get just a little context of why he's laughing. So Twitch has changed a lot over the years, okay? Like, Twitch was not always, like, a multifaceted website. It was just gaming. And, like, literally to do what we're doing right now would have been, like, bannable on Twitch. Not because of faith or anything, but because, like, there needed to be gameplay at all times. So we, like, we had to get real creative with, like, how to incorporate preaching and, like, music and, and stuff like that with gaming. So, like, some of the reasons we're laughing are not only because everything that could have went wrong in our alpha and beta service went wrong, but, like, our first service of, like, me preaching was in front of a green screen, and the whole screen was just Halo gameplay in the background. The whole yeah. thing. <laughs> and I'm just standing in front of people getting shot in the face, telling people about Jesus. And, like, it was as ridiculous as you think it is, but we didn't have another choice. Amen. So eventually we smartened up. And we're like, well, what if we just put, like, gameplay in the corner or something? So every week I would play a bunch of games, record footage, and then that would get played in the corner for no reason. Had nothing to do with the sermon. It was just <laughs> random gameplay. So we wouldn't break the rules. And so that's why he's laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting, uh, to say the least. You know, anybody wants to bring that back, let's get some ones in the chat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ones in the chat. Every anniversary, we should just do a throwback. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and, and what you guys wouldn't have seen that service was, you know, you know, 10 or 8, eight to 10 of us on a call going, you do this, do this, you do this, you do this. And we're like yelling at each other and trying to get like transitions down. And like, no, mute yourself. <laughs> like, it was amazing. But, and there was no you know, Discord that, back then either. What? There was no Discord back then either. So no, things were a no, lot no, harder. I don't even remember what we were using. I actually, was it Ventrilo? I actually have no idea, bro. Uh, who knows? Probably Skype. Skype <laughs> probably was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but those those were fond memories, you know what I mean? And uh, the whole reason that, that that became a thing is because Susie was willing to sacrifice so much. And he didn't pay me to say this, but uh, there's not many people that would have put them through themselves through the agony, the stress, the suffering in order to get to where God Squad Church is today. And so I let him do all the heavy lifting. You know what I mean? And so there was years that went by and I sat on the board, you know, acting like I was doing stuff. And uh, as the board members know, they don't do much. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I sat on the board and I was able to help, you know, kind of move and, and, and help in areas that I had expertise in, but I've grown up with God Squad Church. You know, it's been yeah. uh, a tremendous like 
I guess, journey where five years ago, I was a whole different person. And so just seeing what God has done through God Squad Church and uh, my desire always to be serving uh, at God Squad Church, but, you know, whether it's finances or time or, you know, God's direction, uh, most of all, it just didn't line up. And um, this last, what was the month? Whatever the month was, me and Susie started talking and, um, you know, he asked me if I, I wanted to join the team. And to his surprise, his, his surprise, I was, I was really interested. And um, it's something that I've always believed in, something I've always been a part of. There's no other ministry I've served as a volunteer for this long, uh, serving on the board. And I was enamored and always have been with reaching the world with the message of Jesus. And I think that doing it in unique, innovative ways is a call I have on my life. And uh, so to be able to do it with you guys from every end of the earth uh, has been absolutely, I've said it before, but humbling, absolutely humbling. And a lot of what we have accomplished today, of course, first and foremost, is God's goodness and grace, but especially before we had our lead team model, when I was a lead team pastor, really shaping the vision and shaping the culture, Pastor TJ was one of the many voices that helped shape what God Squad Church is. People don't get to see the behind the scenes work, but I would go into our board meetings and be like, hey, here's something I'm thinking about. Like, what are your thoughts? And they would, they would shape and they would edit and they would help like shape the vision of what we are doing. And you might never have known, but Pastor TJ, a lot of the things that we've done and accomplished were because of some of his guidance, some, some of his wisdom. And so it only just makes a perfect fit for someone like Pastor TJ to join our already existing lead team. It's just such a natural fit because he's already been in a small way fulfilling that role for several years alongside our other staff and lead team members. And Pastor TJ, man, we are just, it's, I'm, I'm just like always, why didn't we do this sooner? <laughs> and of course, like, you know, God has his timing and it wasn't the time back then and your life wouldn't have lined up for all that. But we are just, uh, we're so excited, man. We're so excited for the future of what God's going to do through you in this new leadership development position. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means in a second. But I want to touch back on your, your family for a minute because this is an interesting concept because you are actually the only lead member of our lead team. We have other people on our staff. This year we started doing this. But we're the only addition to our lead team that actually doesn't live here in Virginia. You right, know, obviously right, right now we're, we're an online church. And so how has it been for you and your family being a part of the church in this capacity but from a distance? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And my wife and me were talking before I accept the position, obviously, you know, uh, please always ask your wife if you feel like God's telling you to do anything, um, because they're usually, or your husband, uh, they're usually more wise to you to be able to see the whole picture. And so we spent time, we spent some months just kind of exploring God's Squad churches, like if this was our, our church and, um, you know, to my surprise, like I felt way more connected than I thought I would. And actually a lot more distraction-free. I was born with ADHD, and uh, when I'm sitting in services, it's rough. So having that ability to really connect with not a lot of distractions happening um, was really, really good for me. But also the intimacy that me and my wife experienced through worship, uh, just being able to be close and together and talking things through uh, was beautiful. And something I, I just, you don't have the opportunity. If you're sitting in the middle of a church, you know, li- literally Paul addresses it, like don't talk. Um, but when you're sitting on online service, you're not distracting other people. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that you can kind of, kind of share together. And um, 
be able to know each other's thoughts and what's going on and hearing my daughter ask questions and me be able to answer them. Like it is a, an experience that you, that you just can't get at a brick and mortar church. Yeah. I shouldn't say, a, you know, I was gonna say a real church, but like a, a brick and mortar church. <laughs> we actually um, used to say that for a long time and then we realized we should stop doing yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> This is very much a real church and you will hear me pound that away. Um, and so the experiences that we were having from our couch were just tremendous. And it was, it was awesome. Um, you know, and just for those that have families and they're like, you know, it's kind of like the split thing right now where I'm, we're going to church, but we're doing God squad, you know, know that we're diligently working on being able to encompass the whole family into our experiences. And, uh, pastor Tammy is doing a killer job on her videos and they're hilarious. If you don't watch, I watch them by myself. So my kids watch, them, but I watch them by myself. Um, and they're, they're a lot of fun. And so, yeah, there's just, there was a difference of connection, you know, a community that you could, you could reach into. And obviously for me, I'm a gamer. So like, it means a lot to me. My wife is not a gamer in any way, shape or form, except, and this is where I always get her. She plays puzzles on her phone. Okay. You are classified as a gamer. It's like you're a puzzle game. player. You know what I mean? You're just, you're just not like a, you're not, you're not, you're not a shooter gamer and she can kick some butt in Mario Kart. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it's just, I didn't know what that dynamic would look like, but at the end of the day, we're all just people, right? Yeah. We're all just people that have a passion and uh, it's been, it's been unique experience for me to be able to connect with you guys in a different way. Uh, and so, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. I think that's awesome. And I love how, I love you hearing like how it's, it's been encompassing your whole family. Cause I think when people start hearing about online church, they start thinking like, Oh, it's just something that like you watch, but you can't actually like be a part of. And I tell people all the time, whether it's online or in person, you can be as involved as you want to be. You can be as connected as you want to be. The same thing in a physical church. You can show up, sit in the back, and then as soon as it's over, leave. And you can be surrounded by hundreds of people. You're not going to feel connected. And the same thing in an online church. Like, you can be as connected as you want to be, whether it's your children subscribing to the God Squad Kids YouTube channel. Free plug, right? Watching those videos with their parents and, and learning from Pastor Tammy spiritually and engaging in some of, sure, the funny content, but also growing from some of the spiritual content, whether it's listening to God's word to the teaching with your family. And like you said, there's, like, so many benefits, man, because this is what I tell people all the time. Like, really, church actually is a solo experience. Like, and I'm not saying that online church is better than physical church. I think both are great, but obviously we're doing an online church one. But the reality is, if everyone around you in a physical church is talking, it actually takes away from your experience. <laughs> you can't yeah. focus. You can't listen. And so although in a physical church people are together lifting their hands and singing, but the reality is, like, it's an experience between you and God. And so I want to encourage every single one of you, like, if you're watching from home, you can engage and connect as much as you want to. There is nothing around you to distract you. There is, there's no other people to take away from your experience. And the presence of God is everywhere. He's in your room with you. He's here in our physical location with us. He's with Pastor TJ all the way in New York. The presence of God is everywhere. And I love hearing you say that, Pastor TJ, because I love how it's not just a blessing for you who sits down and, and watches a service. It's a blessing to your whole family. And so I want to encourage all of you, like, don't especially during COVID where some churches are still closed down, like don't let your family miss out on the opportunity for all of them to be connected. They had an amazing palace youth ministry night last night, playing games in the Discord, sharing God's word. Like there are, there are things for the whole family for people to get involved. And Pastor TJ, I'm, I'm glad to hear that your family is utilizing that as well. Pastor TJ, I want to dive a little bit deeper into you and kind of the call of God in your life. And when did you feel that you wanted to start taking steps towards becoming a pastor and going into ministry in your life? Yeah, it's a 
I guess that's a crazy story is like I was praying and one of the things is as a kid, I think that made me a little different than a lot of teenagers is I was pretty mature for my age because of everything that I've been through. And so um, I would spend hours praying and seeking after God and walking through our youth room. And I would show up early and stay late. And one time I was there for pre-service prayer where I was kind of just like alone. And I was just walking in the back of our, our youth sanctuary, just saying, God, you know, here I am, send me. Yeah. Um, I want everything that you want for me. And one of the things I've prayed my whole life is to help me to love the things you love and hate the things you hate. And I was walking through and I, and I heard the voice of God speak to me. And um, he said, well, you really go wherever I want you to go. And I, and I dead honest in that moment was willing to lay down my life for God. And I, I always thought for the longest time that I would be a martyr and that I wouldn't live to see past my 22nd birthday. Um, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. Would you, would you do anything? And what I've realized over the years is sometimes TJ, will you serve that 60 person church that's in Ohio? Would you serve that 20 person church that's in Western New York? Would you go to that youth group that has no students? Would you, and I realized that I had made this grand thing out of God's words. Um, but the truth is, is he just wanted my obedience. And uh, there was a beauty in that. But when I was in that youth room, I threw a, uh, <laughs> a pen or a something at a map. And uh, I said, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord, tell me. I threw a, a pencil at a map or a pen at a map and it hit in a place called Turkey. And I was like, Turkey God, that's, that's a sandwich meat. <laughs> that's not a place. Um, and, and the Lord, <laughs> that's an animal God. Um, and the Lord, and the Lord's like, would you go? And, uh, you know, immediately I was absolutely, I would go. So for the longest time, I really, really believed that I was going to be a full-time missionary in Turkey. That's actually from the 14 on, um, I ran away for a little bit, but beyond that, I always thought that I was going to go there. Um, I did end up going there for, for two months. Um, but it's not what the Lord had for me. When I was in college, I woke up one morning and one of the problems I had with the church as a whole was the American church, that they had Jesus dangling in front of them, you know, all over the place. They could walk into any church on any street corner and they weren't willing to do so. But there was places in this earth that never had heard the gospel before and didn't even know about Jesus, but they were yearning to know who that was. And it broke my heart all the time because I could not understand how we lived in a place that was so rich with the, the ability to reach out and touch Jesus. And we just decided not to. Mm. And uh, so it would frustrate me. And I was that, that common case of like, was like the American church is just annoying and they don't, they don't want Jesus. I don't want to be here. And uh, one day distinctly remember waking up uh, in my dorm room and just being broken and started crying and tears pouring from my eyes. And my heart in that moment was broken for the American church. I had a, a yearning and a desire to serve people uh, locally more than I ever had. And I really feel like the Lord spoke to me through some people of like, if you can't serve your backyard, how do you ever expect to serve people across the ocean? Yeah. And, um, at that moment I, I started to take it a little more seriously than I had. And, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I stepped into everything that I stepped into. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's mostly it. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, you're doing things like mission work and kind of the tag team off that. What have been some other experiences you've had in ministry as a whole prior to working here at Gospel Church? 
Yeah. So I actually started doing ministry when I was like 14, 15, but really seriously at like 16, um, me and my now wife were doing children's ministry, uh, writing the curriculum, delivering it to children, so on and so forth. And then I started traveling and I was on a travel worship team and I travel, uh, and I was traveling and preaching here and there. And then I stepped into college and I was 18 and, um, I got hired as a youth pastor, um, just to preach. They, they just wanted me to come in and, and preach. And I was like, Hey man, I can do that. I can do that if I was sleeping. I was like, that's easy. And so they, they, that's all they wanted. He's like, I don't want you to connect with the kids. I know you're in college. He's like, I just want you to preach. I was like, so you want me to walk in and then walk out? He's like, yep. I was like, how much we talk. <laughs> and, uh, at that moment, um, I, I realized that like God could use any gift and that things didn't always have to look the same. And I was okay with that. And then I went and I helped launch a youth ministry in a church actually that still has a vibrant youth ministry, um, in New Hampshire. And, and then I worked at another church plant, um, that was inside of a school. And I learned a ton there just about mobile church and what that looked like. And yeah, from there I went on, uh, I quit Bible college, uh, in my senior year. Uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and specifically said, do not go back. I fought it. I was going to go and finish my degree because I was, I would have been the only person in my family lineage that had completed college that we know of. Um, and I wasn't a school guy. I didn't love school. I loved being in college, but I wasn't a school guy. Uh, but I really, really, truly felt like the Lord was, was telling me not to go back and I, I had to eat. So I, ate some humble pie and that humble pie was three days of prayer and fasting and followed the Lord speak to me and said, not go back. And I was mad. I was so mad. Uh, cause I had like nothing left. I have like, four, I had like 24 credits or something like something silly. And it was all like easy classes and I was just hurt. And, uh, the Lord used me at that time to, um, I was living in this, this, this apartment in the church that you could do a 360 and see the entire church, probably reach every, every corner of the building that we were <laughs> living in. Arms. And I was married and uh, I started working at Kmart, humbling, like, uh, you know, it's like Walmart for those that don't know. And um, God showed me favor. And within six months I became a department manager and I was managing electronics um, and started doing 50 X sales that they'd ever seen. And, um, he just gave me, it gave me a favor that I did not deserve because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but he wanted me there for that moment. And I want to talk a little bit about that for a second, because I had the opportunity and my general manager would be like, he just, I just don't understand how you're so positive. Like I had, I had workers that had been there for 25 years that wanted my job and they're mad at me. And, and there was just so much animosity. And he's like, you're always so kind and nice and like, and humble about it. Like, I was like, the truth is, is they deserve my position, but they didn't get it. And so like, you could understand how frustrating that would be as a human. Like I deserve this, but yet this, this punk kid comes in and gets it. I was like, and that's all because I understand, like, I don't deserve anything good. Like I believe in Jesus. And I had a conversation with my general manager and he's like, man, that Jesus makes you do something different. And he would always joke around about that. You know, he was like, Oh, that Jesus got you doing something different, huh? And he would see the craziest things uh, or the way I talk to people. And, and so he came to me one day broken because him and his wife had had miscarriage after miscarriage and um, he was trying to get pregnant and they couldn't, they tried for years. And I said to him, you're sitting in his office in this, you know, corporate America building. And um, I looked at him in the eyes and I said, Wayne, there is a healer and his name's Jesus. And I completely believe he can heal you. 
I've seen him heal the blind. I've seen him make the paralyzed walk. I believe he could heal your body or heal your wife's body. And uh, I prayed for him in the office that day. And um, a year later, they gave birth to their first kid. Wow. And so uh, it's powerful what God can do for you and with you and in you to bring himself glory. And you just need to walk in faith sometimes. And that doesn't look like, you know, craziness. That just looks like having a real conversation with another human um, and being able to express how good God is. And so I really think all of that, that I didn't be, I wasn't able to finish North Point Zion just because of that moment. I think that moment mattered to the kingdom. And uh, yeah, it's humbling. So then I moved on. Sorry, this take forever. Sorry, then I moved on, had an awesome experience, uh, moved to Albany. God miraculously set up this weird thing. Never wanted to be a youth pastor, but I told this guy, I felt like God brought me here. I'll serve you in whatever way you want. He's like, we need a youth pastor. I said, I'll be your youth pastor. Uh, and saw a youth ministry at a church of 57 Italian people turn into uh, four, two pastor's kids and uh, and like some hardcore church members into, uh, I say four to 44, because that was our strong number. But we saw like 70 something kids um, come and we were like, we we're the size of our, our church. And uh, God just continued to bless, you know, the things that he was, he wanted to see done. And I was just willing to obey. And then I uh, transitioned from that youth ministry role to kind of doing that part-time and then running our services and doing production and uh, helped our serve team and all that stuff and did some fun things there and just kind of like got to step back and watch God do some pretty cool things through like my ignorance and stupidity and, uh, you know, was humbled so many times uh, that like, I just didn't know what I was doing and it was just full reliance on him. And, uh, yeah. And then I started doing some leadership stuff and started working in that and speaking at some conferences and went from there. And I planted a church in Hornell, New York, uh, with a team, a lead team. And, uh, we shut a church down and we, the people that wanted to stay, we turned them into a launch team and got to see, you know, a service of 250, 300 people come the launch Sunday and in a town of like 3000. Uh, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So God's continuing just to do and work in me, teach me things. And I've, I've learned from so many different experiences and I've literally, I've served from anywhere from nursery to adults to anything you can imagine, man. I've probably done something with pets before who knows. Um, but yeah, humbled by, by the, the leadership lessons God has continued to teach me. Yeah. Yeah, Pastor TJ, just like many members of our staff and our lead team, have done 8 million different things in ministry, from yeah. children's to youth, from nursery to all kinds of things. But one of the things I want to highlight about Pastor TJ that has really been a blessing to our church is, you guys know last year that when I felt God calling our church to transition from me as lead pastor to having a lead team of the five of us, who is now myself, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Tammy, Pastor Boz, and now Pastor TJ, it was something I had never even heard of. I'd never even heard of this idea of a lead team where there's multiple pastors that all have equal authority. Like, it was foreign to me. Like, I, I always heard growing up where, like, there's one lead pastor, he's in charge, and everyone, you know, is following his vision and his authority. I'd never heard of anything else. But when I felt God stirring my heart to change it, I, I started doing all kinds of research that I could to kind of come up with the model. But I was so grateful because Pastor TJ had done it. He had actually served on a lead team, which is one like we have now. 
And so he played a big role in helping me and our lead team shape the vision and the model. And when he helped do that, he had no idea that one day he'd be on it. Like he was just like, hey, this is the experience I've been on. He was a member of our board. And he just helped us shape that vision. And it's just so funny how God works that he helped us shape now what you're also serving on. And so it just goes, just goes to show a glimpse of just the value that God has used to bring Pastor TJ away and that our church wouldn't be the same as it is. And so Pastor TJ, all of that brings you to here, man. You're now on our staff, one of our lead team, our leadership development pastor. But for a lot of people, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, what even is a leadership development pastor? And so walk us through a little bit practically on what does that actually look like. But also, I want you to get the heart behind what do you hope to accomplish and why are you so passionate about it? Yeah. So for me, like, my role is to help see you succeed. You might be sitting there and be like, oh, you, you deal with leaders. I'm not a leader. And the truth is, is all of us are leaders down to the very last person. Someone is always following after you. And for me, I want to see you live up to the purpose that God has given you. And so I think my whole role can be summed up as I just want to help people take next steps yeah. in their relation and walk and walk with Jesus, uh, their relationship and their walk with Jesus, because I think that he has a powerful plan for you and none of us can do it alone. And so it's really different when there's five, 10, 20 people fighting against an army. It's, it's completely different when there's hundreds of people that realize that they have a gifting and a call that God has given them and that he desires to use it through you and in you. So I don't care right now if you're working at some job that you could care less about you have an opportunity every single week to bring your A game, to develop, to become something that you know that God wants you to be. And that's where I think my real strength lies is developing people, pulling out the greatest parts of them and helping them chase after that. Um, and then on top of that is, you know, creating culture and helping shape a culture within God Squad Church that allows us to take off to a place that maybe we didn't even know was possible. We may have dreamed of, but I tangibly think we can get there. And so that's what that looks like. Right now, I'm serving over an amazing team of people uh, in the experience groups. I'm also serving uh, our, our, develop, our, our devotional team, our development team, our development team too, eventually. Message me if you want to be on that. Um, <laughs> quick plug. <laughs> our devotions team though. Um, some amazing people that have done exactly what I'm talking about, that have desired to step up and run with the purpose that God has planned for them. And I truly, truly uh, believe that each and every one of you do have that ability as well, uh, that no one is left by the wayside, that God sees you and he created you for a purpose. You're just not here to just exist. But yeah, so I think that that's a little bit of uh, me. Yeah. And yeah. Just to give some context of going back about six to eight months, some of you may remember, if not, you can check it out on YouTube. We did a series called Check Your Capacity, and we started talking real honestly about our church and the amount of people that we're reaching versus the amount of people that we have to actually take care and serve and love those people. We don't want to be a church that just tells you about Jesus and expects you to swim. We don't just want to be a church online that has access to reach tons of people, that, but that never actually talks with you, never actually engages with you. We want to connect with people. And one of the things that our lead teams are talking about in terms of how do we solve this capacity issue is the idea of discipleship and leadership development. And I think a lot of people in church today think that churches grow because the church is being run by some world changers. 
And the reality is churches grow when everyone becomes a world changer. Churches grow and become healthy and impact the world around them when every single one of us take up the responsibility that God has given us. The great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of, of all nations, that isn't for pastors. That isn't for staff people. That is for every follower of Jesus. And one of the unique gifts that Pastor TJ brings is the ability to help you become the world changer you didn't know that you were. To help pull gifts out of you that you didn't know that you had. To help push you to a level you didn't know you could go. And to help develop you into the leader that you didn't know you could actually become. Mm. That is how we grow and reach people in a healthy way. When everyone's like, oh, well, the church grows because Pastor Susie does this. That is not a healthy church. When people start thinking the church is growing because Pastor Tammy's running an incredible youth ministry, which she is, that is not a healthy church. The church grows when people start understanding, I, all of you, are called to be ministers of the gospel. All of us are in full-time ministry. You might not work at a church, but you're called to minister and develop and love and serve and teach people everywhere that you go. And leadership development and discipleship are so important so that we're growing and becoming all that God has created us to be. And literally, that is the epitome of Pastor TJ's heart. He wants to help you win. He wants to help you become who you didn't, who you didn't know that you were capable of becoming. And Pastor TJ, we are so grateful that God has brought in you and your unique skill set, like everyone on our staff. We all bring our unique set of skills, and together we make up a team, and that's how we change the world. But here's what we also need. For everyone listening and watching, we need your skills. We need your gifts. We need your personality. We need your talents. Mm -hmm. We need your weird quirks that all of us have. We need all of it so that together we can build the kingdom of God. That's how we grow the church. That's how we impact people. That's how we literally reach the point where Twitch has to give us our own church category because we still don't fit in a category till this day. That's how we really reach revival. When we are a church of a bunch of people going out and impacting other people for the glory of God, and I'm so excited for all of our team, but of course today highlighting Pastor TJ to literally pull things out of people that they didn't know that they had. And so, yeah, none of, none of you are quirkless. That's yeah, a, that's a shout out to hero, uh, my hero academia. Um, <laughs> none of you are quirkless. Like you, you, you do have that ability in you. And I just want to touch on this too. Like a lot of times this becomes just a, a Saturday service thing, right? Your life becomes uh, enamored or wrapped up in the fact that, oh, well, I go to church on Sundays or I go to church on Saturdays, depending if you're here at, 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 a, at a concrete church. Like, but we don't go to a church. Like the church isn't a place. The church is a people and you're that person. And so you're supposed to be carrying these messages with you everywhere you go because you are the church. So when we sit here as, as, as pastors, right, and we have these titles and whatever title you may, you may have come across in your life, like, those things don't matter because each and every one of us are either pastors to our home, pastors to our family, like you're pastors to your neighbor. And you have the unique ability to be able to step up into that role and accomplish mighty things for God. And when you start, stop allowing this to just be something you do, you're just a Christian on this day. Not that you're doing bad things other times of the week, but that you're just really a Christian on Saturdays or Sundays. When you finally get past that, that's when I truly believe God will start to change everything in your life. Amen. Because you will start to realize that you have a weapon that you can wield inside of you that is greater than anything you could possibly imagine. And it's those fruits of the spirit. 
It's those, that, that ability to be able to show the love of Jesus through everything you're doing. People will know you by the love you show for each other. Yeah. That's how they'll know him. That's how they'll know Jesus is within you. And so I would implore you the next time you're walking into work and you're just dragging your feet to think about that you truly are serving as a pastor to that community and that you have the ability to do great and mighty things. And you need to be telling people about them. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Pastor TJ, as we wrap up our time together, I want to ask you one final question. You've heard Pastor TJ kind of allude to it a little bit today, but some of you might not know his background. And Pastor TJ hasn't always had it so easy. He hasn't always had um, a great family and a great life that he has today. And I asked him if he'd be willing to be vulnerable because I think his story can be a blessing to many. And so, Pastor TJ, I appreciate you being willing to be transparent. And the question I want to ask you is, what have been some of the difficulties that you face in life that you hope that you can now use to be able to bring hope to others? Yeah, well, my life's been a piece of cake, so I guess we're done here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like I said, my, my life's been filled with suffering. I was uh, born... Um, uh, addicted to crack cocaine. Um, my, my mom, uh, abused drugs until she was like, I think six months pregnant with me. And, uh, so that gave me some, some difficulties growing up. Uh, I have ADHD, obviously I've shared that. Um, so if I'm not looking you in the eye one day or I'm doing something like I'm all over the place, if there is a literal squirrel that passes by, I'm, I'm going to look. Um, <laughs> so I, I've dealt with that my whole life. I had some, some learning disabilities when I was growing up. Uh, believe it or not, I used to actually be in a speech uh, class where I'd have to be pulled out of class and they were trying to teach me how to speak correctly. Um, and I had to do that for a couple of years. Uh, and, you know, God will use anybody, man. And so you'll still hear it, actually, if you listen very closely to the way that I enunciate things. Enunciate things. Um, like I'll say the word, and I used to get made fun of this in my youth ministry, was I'll say the word grav. I'm not using a B. I say grab, grab that. Uh, there's different things like that in my speech that just I just it doesn't make sense to me to say the, those letters. And so, um, yeah, so I, I grew up getting made fun of a lot. I didn't really fit in very often. Um, my dad kidnapped me at the age of three. Uh, we were living in Florida in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and for a little bit of my dad's past, my dad was a... Uh, I always don't know the correct term to call him, but he was like a drug lord. Um, he was moving firearms and uh, drugs up the East Coast from Cuba all the way up. And it was so funny. My, my wife just met him for the first time. Um, and he's just confirming all these stories that she thought like I was crazy. And uh, it's crazy to think like the life that I lived. And so my dad kidnapped me, brought me to Massachusetts. Um, we were popping in from place to place, living in tons of different places. And I didn't know why as a kid, we were just moving all the time. And my dad was on the run from my mom, um, who had private investigators looking for us, but also on the, on the run from authorities. Um, and so my life was really, I, I call it peripatic, uh, which means I was, I was moving from location to location often. And so I learned how to be adaptable very quickly. I went from schools to schools. I moved, I think counting now to this moment, I've moved like 58 times in my life. Uh, so I understand change. I understand what that looks like. My dad was a good guy when he was home, but he would go on these like two week uh, vacations or two week work trips. 
and uh, he would leave me with his girlfriend and his girlfriend was highly abusive. Um, she would lock me out of the house when I was seven, eight years old and I would sleep outside uh, in the woods. I remember uh, I would steal money from different places and I would just live on like candy and like deli meat um, from a local corner market. Um, and then if I was able to be back in, you know, she would beat me or, you know, I remember I, I, I threw up one time food that I was eating because I just couldn't eat vegetable soup for some reason. And uh, she made me sit there, continue eating uh, in my throw up and uh, some sort of traumatic experiences like that. When I was eight years old, um, I started because I think I was looking for a family. Uh, I started turning towards a couple local gangs that were in the area. And uh, I started running drugs between them kind of as like an innocent little kid that they wouldn't mess with. And luckily I really was never messed with. Um, and so I was running jewelry boxes of Coke between different gangs that were trying to, I guess, spread out the, the love in the area, who knows, whatever they, whatever they used to say. And um, got hooked up pretty tight into that. And so I saw some pretty brutal things as a kid. Um, saw kids that lost their life. Uh, I saw a stabbing happen where the kid was in my arms as a seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid. I remember sitting in a circle and I would fight for money because I was trying to, uh, I was trying to eat. And so me and my friend Craig, um, we would actually, we would get in this, this circle of, um, I can't remember the name. I won't call them out anyway, but uh, a bunch of dudes and they would play music loud in their cars and then they would just throw money at us to watch us fight. And uh, so me and this kid would just batter each other. And uh, at the end, we would take the money off the, off the ground and we'd go to the candy store and he'd buy barbecue chips every single time. And I would buy whatever I could to just eat. And then I uh, found myself um, in a weird position where I was going to my aunt's house and um, I had a, a cousin there who was, uh, who was 18 and she just didn't... Um, she didn't have the healthiest lifestyle. And so she started to, if you have kids in the room, you might want to take them out. Um, she started to take advantage of my innocence. And uh, I was a little kid and didn't know any better. And in the same house, you know, there was pornography on the TV all the time and things that just were the worst possible things you can imagine that would be happening in a family atmosphere. Um, and so I was sexually abused um, for a couple of years. And I don't even think I would have called it that as a kid. I just didn't know. Um, and so as I went out of that situation, my mom picked me up one night at 10 o'clock at our, when I was about eight, nine, 10, 10 years old, all of a sudden I had this woman pick me up out of my bed and uh, I would sleep on the side of my bed. I wouldn't even sleep in my bed. Uh, Cause I was just so scared of someone like raiding the house or whatever else it was. Uh, we had cops come sometimes and you'd have to like hit the floor Um there were shootings and things like that in my neighborhood. And so I just, I was safer on the side of my bed. So like, I would literally like create like a little like space and um, felt safe. But I had, I was sleeping in my bed that night and this woman picked me up and I immediately knew it was my mom. I hadn't heard or seen my mom. I'd been told that she'd abandoned me um, for the last 10 years. And so I was so confused, but it was like this weird nostalgic thing. It was this weird, like I just, I, there was a smell that was familiar to me and I hadn't seen, heard her voice since I was two years old. Um, but comes to find out she somehow manipulated my dad to get back into the mix of things, said she still loved him. And then they started fighting a two-year custody battle. 
Uh, after that, the judge looked at me uh, and he goes, you're pretty screwed either way. That was his exact words. Uh, I had a child advocate, but it was my choice. And so he's like, you choose where you want to go, but it doesn't look good either way. And that was exactly how I remember him phrasing it to me. And I chose to go with my mom because I knew what my dad's house had. And my mom would do things with me. You know, she would take me to places like the park or, uh, you know, we would go and do things I'd never done before. Um, and so I knew somewhere inside of me that I, I needed to get out of where I was. I saw all these guys, you know, that, that, that slung drugs and they did all this stuff. And, you know, they were, they were big OGs and they were scary dudes. Um, but they never went anywhere. They never did anything. And, you know, these guys are 40, 50 years old, still doing the same thing and talking how they, you know, they made it. Uh, I knew something inside me knew that I was going to make it to nowhere but a grave. And so I decided at that point that I would, I'd take this way out. And I did. And my mom was super strict, completely different life. You know, I was staying out until three in the morning as a seven, eight year old kid, no problem. Um, didn't even think twice about it. My mom started getting rules. I have a picture of me where I have my hair like combed sideways and I'm wearing like a wolf sweater kind of thing. Like that's kind of dramatic, especially where I came from, where I was wearing like, you know, pants down to my knees. And I, it was, it was just an incredible change to be able to see within. And that shows you kind of the, the flexibility of kids and the pliability of our minds. And, um, I went through a lot of things. I lived in with her in a, um, we got taken into a foster care, uh, which was kind of weird, but she knew a woman and she had foster kids. And so I grew up with some kids that like had AIDS and things like that. And it started to open my eyes to some things. Um, and my mom was awesome for a while. My mom was a hard worker, 80 hour weeks. She, uh, cooked and just, and just loved on me. And then she started to get a little mentally ill. Um, you know, the past of her drugs caught up to her mental illnesses caught up to her and she became super abusive um, mentally, you're fat, you're disgusting. You'll never make it anywhere. You're now, you're no good. You're just like your dad. You're, and I mean, this wasn't like in a once in a while and this is all the time. And when she was good, she was good. But when she was bad, it was really, really bad. And like, I'd wake up to being whipped with wires on my face from something like I left something out or a glass wasn't put away or, uh, sometimes nothing, no reason at all. Um, and my wife got to experience some of that because she was still with me or she, I, I got with her at that, at that teenager years. And then my mom's health started to decline rapidly. And my mom's six, two. And I weighed at the time I weighed 220. I'm a big dude. My mom was like 120 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, you'd think, dude, why don't you just like stop her? This is weird feeling, man. You get paralyzed almost. You don't know what to do. And so I would just get wailed. And I remember one of the last times she gave me like a really good beating. She would wear these four or five rings on her hands. And my cousin was there and she was just slamming me in the face. And I just sat there and I was so gone. Like the, the emotions were just no longer there. And I just stared at her. And as I'm getting hit in the face and just, she's like, and then she got more mad because I wasn't reacting. And I remember I just walked by her and I, I just walked out the door and at that moment, I knew that if this situation didn't change, like I was going to be end up, I was going to end up dead or just like emotionally done. There was just, there was nothing left in me to give. Um, and I never fought back. I never, ever, ever raised my fist to my mom. Um, 
but it was hard. It was hard never knowing what was going to happen. You know, waking up to screaming when she's screaming at her boyfriend and, you know, throwing things and people are just in and out and just nothing was ever stable or normal. And uh, yeah, it was, it was traumatic. And at 16 years old, she'd grown sicker and sicker. She had been taking uh, a lot of prescription medication uh, and abusing some of it. And I was kind of in charge. I was in charge to clean the house. I was in charge to cook. I was, in, I was completely on my own. I would have to bathe my mom. I'd have to, you know, help her. She used to have some, some medical things that I have to help her with. And I would regulate her medicine in a safe. That's how scared I was that she was going to OD. And she just kept taking medicine, kept doing, kept getting sicker. And uh, one day I, I go to sleep and I wake up to the sounds of screams. Um, and it's her best friend at the time who was a young woman, like 22. My mom was older. TJ, she's not breathing. She's not breathing. And um, it's like, what, what do you mean? Like, and I'm just jolted awake. And I go into her room and uh, laying on her, on her bed was her body. And she was cold, lifeless. Um, and at that moment, I had so many different feelings, right? I just lost the only family I really had. Uh, but at the same time, this weird sense of relief where I was like, I don't have to deal with this anymore. And then I had guilt because I felt that relief. And at 16 years old, I, I buried my mom and uh, I lived on my own for about three to six months. My youth pastor at the time, I told you guys when I was 13, I gave my heart to the Lord. It was a rough journey. And at 16, I kind of walked away from Jesus. Um, I, I always say this because I think I find it funny is I, I angrily shook my fist at him. And there's a, there's a, there's a, verse in the Bible that says, when you angrily shake your fist at God, he laughs at you. And a lot of people take that as this God being maniacal in the sky. But the truth of the matter is it's God looking at you. Like you look at your kids who are being ridiculous and just like, come on, man. But that's how it was. I was just angry. And so I was partying. And at that point I had a three bedroom, two bathroom, huge 65 inch screen TV. That was not normal at the time. Um, I had a California king size bed and I was having parties and having people over and I was dealing pills and just kind of running every different way I knew how to from God. Um, my youth pastor told me the day of my mom's funeral that he would no longer be at the church, uh, which rocked me. That was my dad figure, but he had to tell me because he was about to tell the church on Sunday. And so everything came crashing down all at once. Every safe structure I'd created, um, every little thing. And I was mad. And so eventually uh, a guy comes into my life and he was an intern one time at the church, but he became the new youth pastor. And I started hanging out with them. And uh, he was an awesome guy. His family was fun. He had two little boys um, that were like one and two. And we would just play games and we'd hang out and it was just, it was awesome. So I ended up like spending the nights at his house. I would just like crash on his couch. Uh, and I only lived like five minutes down the road, like walking, but it was just like, it felt home. It felt safe. And he asked me, you know, he's like, TJ, what do you think about moving in? And I was like, what you crazy, man? What do you mean? He's like, you're here all the time. Why don't you just move in? And so, you know, I debated it for a while, uh, you know, and a week later, um, 
I sold all my stuff. I moved out of that house I was living in and I moved in to this six by six room with this pink and white girl bunk beds that had a mattress this thick on it. And I knew from that point on, it was me mapping my way back to God. And uh, I'm super thankful that family eventually adopted me. And uh, I have two brothers now and um, they're absolutely the world to me. Those They decided they were only 20, 23 at the time. They're six, seven years older than I was. And uh, they decided to take a chance. So from that point on, I went to Bible college. Um, and there's been ups and downs throughout there, but my life has been a display of a lot of like really crazy moments. So a lot of people have a hard time connecting with, you know, the, the deepness of that story. And like, they're like, oh, I never had that happen to me. So it's not that important. But the truth is, is your pain is your pain. And no matter what kind of pain you felt, the worst of that pain is still the worst of that pain. And I don't discredit anybody's story. My story is crazy. And I don't wish my story on anybody, but I also don't wish my story was different in any way because I wouldn't be the person that God built me to be through every single one of those situations that was hard, that was daunting, that was scary, that was troublesome. God built in me a structure of faith in him. And it taught me how to blindly walk after him where I knew if I didn't trust him, I didn't have anything anyway. And so whatever your life looks like, you know, you could have woke you could have, you know, had both mom and dad at home and lived a pretty good Christian life. Like, but know your, your story matters. And there's kids just like you that have had the same exact situation, but they're still feeling depressed or down or out. And you have a story and a, and a testimony to tell that only you can tell. And so I'm more than thankful that God allowed me to walk through those situations, but even more than that, the fact that I get to stand here today and be able to share with you the fact that Jesus never left me. He never abandoned me. Amen. Those nights where I would wake up and I would be being yelled at or, or beat, or the night's gunshots would be going off and I'd calling out to an unknown God. He never left. He was always there. I just hadn't found him yet. And so through my story, I hope that you could just be challenged that if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like, man, how, how have I ever done this life alone? And Jesus is there. He sees you. When you're all alone sitting at your computer desk right now and you've been struggling with addiction, or you've been struggling with sin that's just been eating you alive, he sees you. See, the thing I had to do that, you know, a lot of my story says like I'm the victim, but I became an abuser because of that, right? Like I started to, to use my words to rip people down. I started to hurt people close to me because that's what I thought was right. And I had to come before God and ask for forgiveness, Lord. I said, Jesus, would you forgive me from the person that I am? Would you save me from myself? Lord, I want to follow after you for the rest of my days, but I only know I can do that is if I fully surrender my life to you. So that's my challenge. If you're sitting in this chat today and you've never given your heart to God, 
You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, but you know deep down inside that you need him. I'd ask you to do that. And you can do it by yourself. You don't need a pastor to lead you through this. It's you and God right now. And you have the ability to say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Lord, would you forgive me? I'm a broken person. Whether you didn't know or you did know, he sees you and he forgives you. And would you ask him right now in this moment to become the Lord of your life? What that means is surrendering yourself to him, saying, I am no longer the master of this ship, God. You are now the captain of my soul. If that's you today, I would ask you to be bold. It took a lot for a 13-year-old kid to run to an altar because he was scared. It took even more for a 16-year-old kid to be mad at God and come back and realize I needed this relationship more than anything else in my life. Would you be bold and would you put a one in the chat? If that's you today, that you want to start to make this committed journey towards Jesus. See, we have a people, a, a tremendous people around that will, that will surround you. We have a community of believers that want to love you deeply, but there's nothing that can replace the love of God. Will we help you when you fall? Absolutely. Will we help you move forward? Absolutely. But it's only between you and Jesus where that love, that missing puzzle piece you felt your whole life can be resolved. And you might've chased it with everything else. You might've tried to fill that piece with drugs, with alcohol, with fear, with pain, with depression, anxiety. But only God can truly be there to fill that piece. Amen. Pastor TJ, I want to say thank you so much for your willingness to be transparent and share that story. And one of the reasons I want to Pastor TJ to do that is I wanted every single one of you to be able to see and know that there is no story too dark that the light of Jesus can't shine through. Amen. And the person that Pastor TJ was is not the person who Pastor TJ is, but not because he worked his way out, because Jesus saved him, changed his life in a real tangible way. And I pray that today you'll know that Jesus can do that for you simply by making a decision to say yes to Christ. And so Pastor TJ, as we end our time together, we want to do, do something special. I'm going to ask Pastor Boz to bring me what we have here, which we give to all of our pastors, and it is a shepherd's staff. And the Bible talks about symbolically how pastors are shepherds, shepherds that are leading sheep, and that ultimately the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the great shepherd. He is leading all of us, but he is entrusted to some as pastors to lead the sheep that represents God's people. And I want to tell you, the reason we think these meet the teams are so important is because we don't want you to follow a shepherd that you don't know. That's what so many people try to do with religion. They try to follow a God that they don't actually know. And the thing is, you can know Jesus, and we want you to know our leaders. We want you to know our people. And if it wasn't for these moments, you maybe would have never known that story. 
you maybe would have never known the heart that Pastor TJ has and that how he wants to use his life to inspire you. And so what we've done is we do this for all of our pastors. Pastor TJ, we've, we've, we've purchased one of these for him and presented to him symbolically through the screen all the way in New York. There it is, there it is. And to say, Pastor TJ, that we are, we are honored to have you as a shepherd loving our sheep and loving our people. And I would ask you as a church to do your best to, to love and to serve and to trust him but we believe that trust is also earned and he wants to do his best to be a part of your life and to bring you in and develop you in ways that you didn't know were possible. And so as a church, as we end our time together, would you just simply bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray and thank God for Pastor TJ, but also ask God to bless him in return. God, we thank you so much. God, for the reality that you've shown us today through the life of Pastor TJ, that God, there is no story too dark, no life too difficult, no sin too big that the blood of Jesus can't forgive. And we thank you that Jesus Christ, you died on the cross to save us and to save Pastor TJ. There is no life you can't redeem, no life you can't save. And so God, today we thank you for Pastor TJ. We pray that God, you would bless him. We pray that God, you would strengthen him and his family as they do their best to lead and be a part of our church. And we pray that God, we as people would do our best to welcome him, to embrace him, to love him, to send him messages and to say we're grateful for his leadership, to tell him that we're grateful for his sacrifice and his hard work. And I pray that God, we would just open up our arms wide to bless him. So God, we thank you for the gift that you have brought our church through the life of Pastor TJ. We pray that you would bless him. We pray that you would bless our church. And we pray that today those that are saying yes to follow Jesus, God, may their lives be transformed. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's on? Okay, there we go. Some of you guys just heard an amazing testimony uh, from Pastor TJ just now, and maybe you came in late today. I, I want to encourage you. We have a second service tonight at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. I encourage you to come back. Maybe you missed part of the testimony. Maybe you missed uh, most of it. I encourage you to come back tonight and hear because it it's an extremely powerful testimony. And some of you just made a decision to change your life around. Maybe maybe you're a first-time follower of Jesus Christ, or maybe you rededicate your life. We want to congratulate you, and we want to celebrate with you as well. But also, we want to walk along beside you. So if somebody could do me a favor and type exclamation point next level in the chat, what I would ask you to do, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus Christ today or rededicate your life, I ask you to click on that link and just, it will send you to a form that we ask you to fill out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. We want to be able to give you some resources. Some people, they don't know exactly where to go from here. They don't know what baptism is all about. You know, why why do we dunk people in water? What, what, what does that even mean? Some people, they don't know what to do, how to pray. They don't know where to go in the Bible, where to start reading. We would love to be able to walk on those uh, on that journey with you and be able to answer those questions. So definitely click on that link and fill out that form so one of us can be able to connect with you and get back to you. And once again, celebrate and congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. I promise you, you will not regret it. Um, and guys, this is the reason why we do everything that we do here at God Squad Church. Every single week, we see more and more people
people coming to know Jesus Christ. You guys saw some ones being put in the chat today. Other people who maybe aren't, they maybe, maybe they're watching the video. We see people on a weekly basis giving their lives to Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why we do this here at God Squad Church. And it's if it wasn't because of your faithfulness and generosity, we wouldn't be able to continue doing this on a weekly basis. And maybe you feel called right now to get to to, to give for the first time to God Squad Church. I want you to know there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give. You can go into the panels below and click on the give link. You can also go to our website and you can customize it to any way you see fit, uh, weekly, monthly, whatever fits for you. And then finally, you can also use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84321. But no matter how you're giving, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and generosity. And remember, guys, every penny counts.